Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chaudhry and can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 78, we have a special guest, Deborah Libang. So in this episode, we'll discuss with Deborah her story about how she lost both of her daughters and grandchild and dealing with the grief she had to go through a devastating moment. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on our podcast. Let's dive in. Hi Deborah, thank you so much for taking the time out today and joining me in this podcast episode. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Well, thank you very much for having me on your program. I appreciate it. Yeah, super excited to learn more about you and your journey. Like you had really difficult journey with your life. So before we get into uh, to know more about your journey and the tough time you had, want to know like how you get into like a business and coaching business owners. How did you come up with the passion? Actually, my passion, my greatest passion was helping people. That was, you know, when I was a little girl, I yeah. dreamt of being one of three things. Um, Superman, <laughs> which didn't fare out. A nun, which didn't fare out either. Uh, and the third one was to be a psychiatrist. Yeah. Which that didn't fare out either. Um, uh, but those were my three biggest dreams. And um, I wound up uh, with a degree in marketing. I had mm -hmm. three daughters that I had to feed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had to go where the money was. Sometimes you have to do things that um, may not be your what your heart desires, mm -hmm. but you know it's a responsibility that you have simply because you have mouths to feed. Yeah. Yeah. And then you end up choosing the career. Even you never thought about that, right? That's right. I, yeah. Not in a million, not in a million. <laughs> so, I, you know, I was, I went into, uh, in Louisiana, which is where I'm from, mm -hmm. was predominantly an oil field state. And of course, being an oil field state, it was predominantly male run. Um, yeah. So being a woman, it was very, very difficult to get in. You had to, um, the only women I knew who had broken through mm -hmm. wore very short skirts, five inch heels, and, you know, dressed very provocatively. And right. that was, that's just not my style. Yeah. So I, I went in realizing that um, I wore, you know, suits that were they called them women call them box suits you know where mm -hmm. it shows no form okay. um because i never saw people as male female i just saw them as people right. you know mm -hmm. and it was very disheartening to know that um these men in all field were so used to getting favors uh that i realized quickly that i had to learn more than what they knew about their own business to yeah. get their approval. So I really had to do a lot more um, digging into their business, understanding a lot more about the oil yeah. field in general versus just marketing mm -hmm. so that they realized I was something to contend with. I wasn't just a piece of meat walking through the door that they might have had a chance with. Yeah. 
So that was my first big lesson. Um, and it's still prevalent to some extent in some industries mm-hmm. um, today, unfortunately. You wouldn't think, but it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with that. And like, uh, how, how, many, how many years you've been like in business and like uh, since you've been doing the hypnotherapy? Oh, in hypnotherapy, three years. I have, um, my journey went, or I should get into my journey now. (laughs) (laughs) My my journey started with, um, you know, when I said I wanted to be Superman, a nun or a psychiatrist, was because um, my parents split up when I was about eight years old. And I was raised by a very emotionally and physically abusive mother. So, you know, when I went to school and in Louisiana, you have yeah. two seasons, hot and hotter. Right. And yeah. I always went to school wearing long sleeve shirts and pants because I didn't want people to see the bruises on my wow. body. And I was a loner, you know, and yeah. when my parents split up, we had to move to what's called the projects or where mm. a very low income family lived. So I was labeled a PK kid, which didn't mean preacher's kid. It meant the project kid and other children. um, You know, they just didn't want you couldn't bond with anybody Mm -hmm. there. So I spent a lot of time reading, which didn't bother me at all. How old are you that time? Mm, Probably 10. Wow. Such an early age. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I actually started raising my brother and sister, cleaning house, cooking, um, running a household at um, wow. eight and a half. Wow. So and is, is it both of your parents abusing or like uh, from your father or your mom? Dad kind of disappeared for mm-hmm. a while, um, which I don't blame him. If I had to be around my yeah. mother, I would have disappeared too, <laughs> but... She, uh, she was, you know, I think what happened was she enjoyed being around. My father had a lot of, was an entrepreneur and he had a lot of businesses and she traveled with him. And when we were born, she wound up being stuck at home. Mm -hmm. And I think she resented that fact, but, you know, I never did see her as um, some evil person. I just saw her as a sick person. And someone that I wound up having to take care of mm-hmm. and shielding my younger brother and sister from so that if she she was always like an explosion waiting to happen yeah so I would shield them from her and whatever whenever she'd lash out I would be her target so I grew up uh, an extreme introvert and mm-hmm. um, was very very shy and I went, um, I wound up getting married at 16, right. which now if you figure, I have been taking care of a household since I was eight and a half. Yeah. So by yeah. the time I was 16, it was like I had lived, uh, it was like I would have been 35. You yeah, know? you're mature enough, right? Yeah, yeah. You've, you've been through like early age, yeah. Yes. Um, but the one thing that you don't know at 16 or you don't know anything about relationships, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, 
I married someone, unfortunately, didn't realize it until after my second child. Um, yeah. I had my first one at 18, my second one five years later, and realized then that I had married the male version of my mother. Mm. He wasn't physically abusive, but right. very much emotionally abusive. Okay. And then I found out he was doing drugs, which I'm, I'm anti-drug. Yeah. Uh, street drugs. And I had never, I've never smoked pot in my life because my mother was addicted to prescription medication. Yeah. So, which is what created that mindset in me. I always had to be clear-minded. Mm -hmm. um, I had to be sharp on my toes, like, you know, because what could be attacking me from the left yeah. or right, I was always hyper-vigilant. Um, then as I, um, when I had my third daughter, I, um, the oil field crashed. I was in, I'd been in business for a while. Oh, the right. oil field crashed and we were, my husband at the time and I were both out of work. So I yeah. went and there was, there was only one job near where, close enough to where we lived, where I didn't have a long commute. And, um, there were 10 women sitting in the lobby waiting to be interviewed. Wow. And it was for a receptionist job, something I was way overqualified for, but yeah. you know, yeah, so it was my turn to go in for the interview and there's all these men in suits and, you know, huh, I was mm -hmm. dressed in my best old clothes, <laughs> the best clothes I had. Yeah. And, one of them just looked at me and says, why should we hire you? And this just flew out of my mouth. And this was not me at all. Mm -hmm. I was very um, demure more than anything. I said, because if you hire me, I guarantee you, I will be the best business decision you make this year. Mm -hmm. And they hired me. Great. And I <laughs> thought, after I, I said that, I thought, oh my God, I don't why they didn't pitch me out of the door, you know, being so brazen. But it was that company that really, um, where I really kind of broke out of my shell, um, mm -hmm. became the executive uh, VP of the entire company wow. uh, within 10 years. I was the first yeah. executive by a vice president of transportation in the U.S. I remember... I remember sitting in, uh, uh, it was called the profitability conference, and it was mm -hmm. only for the CEOs and executive VPs of transportation. And yeah. I'm sitting in this auditorium at the top, and all I see below me are bald-headed men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm the only woman there. Yeah. And, and I thought, wow, I have my hair and I'm female. This is, this is a good <laughs> I have yeah. an advantage, maybe, yes. So I stayed with that business for a while. And then a new technology came out that, um, I mean, I was making money for that company, Hand Over Fist. And I created a logistics company, Orm, mm -hmm. for that company, right. uh, which helped them to grow exponentially. And then a friend of mine from London called 
and mm -hmm. asked if I would be interested in being the master distributor of an ultrasonic gauge they had just developed and were wanting to bring into the US. An ultrasonic gauge monitors fuel tanks on the ground, you know, where you wherever you pump fuel yeah. in your vehicle. Yeah. So I said, let me let me sleep on it. Let me think about it. And I, the more I thought about it, I thought, here's the technology that's needed to create mm. a logistics company between um, the guy that is at the retail end, and I'm I would act like a cop between the the transportation company and the supplier, fuel supplier, because they and I knew from marketing fuel and from yeah. the transportation end that they were both robbing the retailer blind. Mm. If they were running low on revenue, they would fill their tanks up. Yeah. Well, at the end of the month or the end of the fiscal year, that retailer would wind up carrying all that inventory, which always reduced their bottom line. So mm -hmm. I said, I said, what that what that business needs is what I know to do. Yeah. So I left a six-figure paying job to go to nothing, zero. And people wow. thought I'd lost my mind. But it paid off because within three months, I was making more than what I was making uh, the company I left. That business yeah. stayed open for about 25 years. Wow. And grew. We were, we were doing business throughout the US and Canada. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to figure out a way to send it into Europe, you okay. know, where we could manage it into yeah. Europe. Um, and then personal tragedy hit and hoard. Within um, four and a half years, I lost um, two of my daughters, my middle and youngest daughter, a three and a half year old grandbaby, and my dad and younger brother. So sorry, well, it was, um, I, I mean, I'd lost people close to me. My mother died yeah. when I was when I was in my late 20s. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was used to of loss, but not back to back and not my children. I mean, you're supposed yeah. to outlive your children. Yeah. So I was so devastated and lost that I, I sold my business. And I just wandered around for probably six to eight months saying, what is your purpose here? on mm. earth you know it's not just about money and it's not just about what you're going to create a company it was a multi-million dollar company but to what yeah. end that is it that means nothing when you can't smell your child's hair right yeah. after it's been washed and you can't feel the warmth of them when you hug them or yeah. see that little angelic look on their face, you know, when they're sleeping. That's the only time you see that angelic mm. face is when they're sleeping. No amount of money is worth that. So it, it made me take a step back and wonder, well, what is your purpose in life? What really is your purpose? And out of, it seemed out of the blue, but I don't believe in, in circumstance. I think yeah. things come your way when it's time. And um, I found myself in uh, university 
it was the first accredited hypnotherapy college in the US. Right. It was accredited by the Department of Education. Yeah. Um, and so I went and it was intense, as intense as any um, uh, psychiatric education I could have had. Mm -hmm. And it was a modality that fascinated me because it dealt with not only the human mind, but what causes us to act or react in our adulthood. It's all from what we experienced as a child. Yeah. From zero to eight years old, we create what are, what are called knowns. And those are safe areas for us. Even if those knowns are negative, they still feel safe. And they're protected by what's called the critical mind. And then above that, which is your conscious mind, is where you have logic, willpower, reasoning, decision-making. Yeah. Um, so any new information that comes in bounces from that critical mind, tries to go into the subconscious. But if you have a known in that subconscious that says you're not good enough, you're not... Um, and it could be subliminal, you know, you're, let's say, for example, you learned to play, your father gave you a guitar yeah. when you were six. Yeah. And he had friends that came over and he said, why don't you come out and play a song for us? You know, he had, mm -hmm. they were drinking beer, they were having a good time and he wanted to show off his son. So you came out with your guitar and you played a tune. I mean, you gave it everything that you had. You yeah. really wanted to make your dad proud. And what he did afterwards was say, you may not have been paying for guitar lessons for that. Mm -hmm. No, I've been throwing away money for that. Well, you put your whole heart and soul into that song. Yeah. But what you heard as a child was no matter how hard you try, you will never be good enough. Yeah. And that kind of stays within us mm. and manifests in our adult life in so many areas, self-sabotaging, um, never reaching forward for that gold ring, you okay. know, that, that just that golden ring that everybody talks about. You know, it, it, um, it was difficult coming out of that trauma and drama. Yeah. Had it not been for my goal, my original goal of this is going to help people, really yeah. help people um, break out of old patterns and become the best that they were meant to be. Mm -hmm. You were put on this planet for a reason. Yeah. The podcast that you have reaches people around the world. Look, I'm in, I'm in Southwest Louisiana. Yeah. You're in the UK. I mean, yeah. who would have thought that possible even yeah. five, six years ago? Mm -hmm. But you touch the minds and hearts of people that you would have never thought possible. Yeah. And that is my goal is... I want to be able to help others break free of those limiting beliefs so they can truly be who they were meant to be.
Mm. When you were brought into this world, you have a specific purpose to accomplish. Yeah. All my tragedies, all they were all, I think, just road markers to get me to where I am today. I could yeah. never have understood the, the trauma, our drama, our significance of the loss of a child to a mother to the degree that I understand it now. Mm. And I still have to hold back when I encounter one because I sympathize with her and I should only be empathizing with her and leading her towards healing steps. Yeah. If I start sympathizing, I'll, I'll be crying with her. You know, yeah. because, you know, I understand all too well what she's going through. And all I want to do is reach through the screen and hug her and just say, you know, I'm not going to tell you time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. It makes them, it makes the pain a little, it takes the sharpness off some of the pain. Yeah. But the hole that you feel, um, it's always going to be there. It just won't feel like it's your whole heart. Yeah. It'll start shrinking, but there will always be a piece missing. So how mm. do you live and move on with that one piece missing? You have to fill it with something. And the way to do that is helping other people. Right. That's, that's the one thing that you can do that will help help make you whole again yeah so that's how he started hypnotherapist and like trying to help others right oh yes yes yeah. definitely so if you don't mind like can you share a little bit what incident happened with your two of your daughters and your father as well like how did you lose them one of my daughters um well i have three daughters my oldest is still alive in fact she's getting married next weekend Oh, um, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. It's, yeah, it's, hope you enjoy it. I, I really um, think she's marrying a terrific guy. He really loves her and cares about mm -hmm. her. And that's always a song to a parent's heart, you yeah. know. So um, my youngest child was the mother of the grandbaby I lost. Yeah. The grandbaby I lost. Um, it was, it wasn't called SID, sudden infant death syndrome. It's called, um, SSD, which is for kids between the years three and five years old. Right. She literally went to her crib because she figured, you know, she's been down for a nap for a long time mm -hmm. and she found her wow. and she called me. I couldn't even understand what she was saying. She was screaming right. and I just knew something was wrong bad wrong and just flew uh fortunately we didn't live far from one another and flew there in my car and just all the time just saying please god please god please god don't let it be amelia that was my yeah. granddaughter and the baby was she had been doing cpr on her and I said, did you call 911? I just went into action mode. Did you call 911? Yeah. And she said, I think so. I think so. She, she was lost. My daughter mm -hmm. was lost. And um, so I took over CPR. Um, my new husband 
um, called 911 right away yeah. just to make certain somebody was on the way. And it was breathing into that little baby's mouth and watching her chest rise yeah. and fall with my breath that every time you saw it rise, you thought there was a flutter of hope, mm. a false hope, you know? Yeah. She had been, she'd been gone for about six hours. Wow. Um, yeah. And by the time she got to the hospital. And uh, so when your doctor found out about her, uh, that was like an early morning, right? So she, yes. She passed yes. Away in the, and then during the, during night. the night. Yeah. And she was used to sleeping through the night. Okay. So um, four months later, uh, my youngest daughter got into a car accident. It was a fiery car crash. I couldn't even see her at the funeral home. It was a closed casket. Um, a very good friend of mine who is, owns a funeral home in upstate New York flew mm -hmm. down um, and took care of her in the embalming room. But she just told me, and I trust her implicitly. Yeah. She said, Deb, you don't want to see her. But she was able to take a piece of her blue jeans that she was wearing and cut a snippet of hair that hadn't been burned. Mm -hmm. And she's been working with that for three years now, trying to get them in some kind of condition where she wants to have them framed in a small, um, what do you call them, uh, the shadow box. Okay. So that I'll have them. That was yeah. a you know, the last thing, um, no one knew what happened. It, it, it seemed for all intents and purposes that someone ran her off the road and she just plowed right into a brick building wow. and her car caught on fire. My middle daughter um, dealt with a lot of issues um, a lot of anxiety and depression issues. She had mm. been, well, all three of my daughters did, you know, like their father was not uh, father material. Right. And so I had to play both mom and dad. And they sought relationships in the wrong kind of men. Yeah. And of course, they'd get their hearts smashed and over and over and no matter how many talks we had about what are you looking for and why mm. they kept gravitating to the same thing she finally basically drank herself to death she was uh, um, her liver kidney pancreas everything gave out all at one time wow. and um she was in a Great Depression, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And she was, I mean, she was in the AA program and doing very well until her sponsor committed suicide. And she just, just came crashing down. Yeah. She, that was it. That was it. Um, I mean, you know, that's pretty intimate information I don't share. <laughs> Look, I'm sharing it all over the world now, but... It's a reality that a lot yeah. of parents face that yeah. they don't know how to deal with. You can talk till you're blue in the face. You can put them in every kind of program you want. I spent 
hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get them help. Mm. And, but a person, you can only help a person that wants to be helped, who's yeah. ready, you know, and says, I have enough and I need to grab hold of my life. Yeah. And um, they were just looking for the father figure, I guess they never had. So yeah. there was, there's, you know, you're going through the tragedy, you're going through guilt of maybe I should have left sooner. Um, you know, they wouldn't have experienced that for as long as they did. Uh, you go through all kinds of emotions, you know. So it was in, in dealing in business, especially hypnotherapy, um, I do public speaking. I also work with corporations. I don't see it all about the money. You know, I'm not one yeah. that says, you know, if you sign up for my program, you're going to make $10,000 a month, your first month. Mm -hmm. they, those drive me insane because all it does is line their pockets. Yeah. We know that that's not going to happen. Yeah. You're not going to go from zero to $10,000 by attending their seminar. You're yeah. just not. Because, you know, even in working for a company, unless you get rid of those limiting beliefs, you're mm. going to stay stuck in that same rut all the time. You're going to blame your boss. You're going to blame your coworkers. You're going to, yeah. you could blame every circumstance on the planet, except where it, the, the truth really lies within you. It lies within you. If it's not going to work in that company, then you're going to. <laughs> no. Yes. So how, how do you actually use uh, hypnotherapy for like a business owners in order to achieve their goals? Do you use kind of formulas? And is, is it like a mental shift? It is definitely a mental shift. In talking with a business owner, especially someone of a very large corporation, the one thing they don't want to hear is that they may be the problem mm -hmm. as to why they can't grow or as to why their profits or where they are. One, um, you know, I've worked with Fortune 500 companies for 15 years, dealt with many CEOs and CFOs. Yeah. And it's, it always starts from the top and floats down to the bottom. So if the owner or the leader of that company carries with them a limiting belief, even though they want profit, say they're a yeah. publicly held company, um, something in them prevents it. It's almost a self-sabotaging thing. It prevents mm. it from happening. So I usually start always from the top and work my way down. And right. I, set, I set processes in place, but I, I group hypnotize, um, say their sales force, marketing department, HR department, so that I'm targeting the removal of limiting beliefs and creating kind of an open slate so that you can become who you truly are without fear, without doubt, without, you always maintain your own values and, and morals 
that's something hypnotherapy can never change. Yeah. You, you cannot be hypnotized without your permission. You know, yeah. you're always conscious of what's going on, yeah. but you're wanting to be set free of things that might be holding you back. And so I'll do group hypnosis with everyone's permission. And that's what really makes a change. It's not my, I'm going to say it's not my program per se. It's not the paperwork and how the process flows, though that helps if they're all mumbled jumbled Mm -hmm. and I can see it, I'll streamline it. But it is the people themselves that make the difference. One of the largest companies I've ever worked with, as it was a client of mine, and he always he always told me, he said, I'd never do business with a company. I do mm. business with people. Right. So it is your integrity. It's your, are you going to do what you say you're going to do? Or are you trying to blow smoke up somebody's rear end? You know, mm. yeah. they can tell that from a mile away. We've, um, especially nowadays, you have... Uh, some millennials, some um, some fresh-eyed Gen Ys that are out there and trying to find their way. And they're following um, Gen Xs who, um, and some baby boomers, uh, laid-in baby boomers, who have conflicting ways of doing business. You know, baby boomers right. will pulled in from a generation of hard work, dedication, and loyalty will get you where you want to go. Yeah. Um, Gen Xers, which followed, um, they follow pretty close, but then they're caught in with the millennials who are almost of a mindset. And I know this because (laughs) I can't tell you the number of employees I have to go through to hire one good person. Mm -hmm. It's like 40. before I find one who is of the same mindset, who is literate, who can communicate effectively, Mm -hmm. who is true to their own heart and is just looking for a chance. I know what that's like. And finding a nugget of gold like that, I want in my company because then, you know, I'm hoping to let their dream comes come through, which yeah. in effect allows my dream to get bigger and grow bigger. You know, yeah. I want this voice to reach a universal level. I can't do that by myself. No. But you find nuggets of people that are that carry that same burning desire to help others for whatever reason they have, and it's genuine, then the sky is the limit. You really get to touch human lives and change them for the better. Yeah, it's true. So with with the process of like hypnotherapies, is is there any time frame like changing people's mindset? Or is it everyone works differently individually? It it varies. I'm working with one person now, um, just for an example. Um, 
they're, they said that their presenting issue, which means what they're struggling with right now, mm-hmm. was uh, trying to get over an emotional attachment to a boyfriend who was not good for them and weight loss. When I talked to them, (laughs) the issue was the boyfriend, but also the fact that she'd lost a daughter three months prior. The daughter never even came up into the conversation Mm. as grief. Her stronger drive was the need to be loved and accepted by this man or a man. You see? Yeah. That told me a lot. And as I began working with her, you I, I go into different levels. I can't just go slamming down at the bottom because mm-hmm. that's you're diving too deep too quick and yeah. that can freak people out. So you start at a particular level. And then the next session is a little deeper. And that second session, she really attached herself to the fact that she was mourning her daughter. And then the third year, starting to establish healthy boundaries. And then the fourth, we start working with that inner child. Right. She grew up in a, with a tough background. So there was that child that had never been um, supported, encouraged, mm-hmm. had been damaged in some way. And she took that into her adulthood. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's going to change her decision-making process when it comes to relationships is healing, helping to heal that child that was damaged. And yeah. that's, uh, that's how we go about it. And then strengthening the person they become. Yeah. Unless like you're asking questions to other people, you don't really know like it was actual is bothering them. What's stopping them, right? Like you right. figure out like her child died like three months now. And yes. without asking them, like she even no mentioning it. So you have no clue like what's going on. So the problem is in different place, but we are trying to fix another place, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, she she talked quite a bit about, she said, look, I'm not really worried about my weight, but I really have an issue with this guy I'm seeing. Mm. And so we're, you know, halfway through the first consultation. And she said, she mentions the fact that right after her daughter died, he left her. And I went, wait, your daughter died? How long ago was this? Mm. Three months. So that rang a lot of bells for me. You know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff to work on. Not just her getting over this guy, um, but for that to dominate a mother's natural instinct to mourn her own child. That's, 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 there is a severely damaged inner child that needs to be healed. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we are running out of time for this podcast. So those who's listening, if they want to reach out to you or like and learn more about you or work with you, how they can find you? Do you have any website, social media? Yes, um, they can go to mindpaththerapies.com. And in fact, anybody on your podcast can go there 
And you'll see under the individual therapy session, you can click on the button that will give you a free 15 minute consultation. So if you want to call and just yeah. talk to me about, you know, I think I'd like to work on this. What do you think? Is it possible? Can I get through this? Um, I'll be happy to talk to them. It won't cost them anything. Yeah, thank you so much for that. So yeah, I really appreciate it ever coming to the show and sharing your valuable lessons, also sharing your really hard story, to be honest, for taking and for a lot of people. And a lot of people get through it. Like uh, it's not only you get victimized in the world. Everyone got their different story and everyone manage a different way. So yes. I, I really, really appreciate you sharing your story. And I wish you good luck with your life in your business and your new chapter. I hope you have like a wonderful day. Thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to share my story. You're most welcome. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much, Deborah. Have that's a wrap, one. guys. Uh, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You know how to find Deborah. So I'm going to put all of the links on the podcast below and on the YouTube channel. So go check out Deborah if you want to get any kind of like a free consultation. Go check out. She's giving you 15 minutes free consultation as well. So till then, stay safe, stay healthy. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.